don't you love him today? I said, don't you love him today? If you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to open them with me to the book of Exodus chapter 32. I don't sing and play for you. I need it because I like to do it for him. And it just does something. I don't know for me. So you have to tolerate it. Amen. Genesis chapter 32. I'm ready to preach now. One of the great stories of the Bible, verse 22 of Genesis chapter 32. This is about Jacob, and he arose that night and took to his two wives, his two female servants, his 11 sons, and he crossed over the river of Jabbok. He took them and he sent them over the brook and sent over what he had. Maybe the most powerful phrase ever spoken over his life happens next. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. And when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. It says he wrestled with a man. It was not a man. It was Jesus. It was God. And I'll show you that in Scripture. He was not even wrestling with an angel. It was Jesus. And I'll tell you why I say that. And he said, speaking of Jesus, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, speaking of Jacob, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, my name is Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but your new name is Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. This is a, what he's saying is everything changes here today in this spot for you. Jacob said, tell me. Then, then Jacob asked saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask about my name? And listen, and he blessed him there. He, God, Jesus, blessed him there. Now here's why I know it, who it was. So Jacob called the name of the place Penal. Listen, for I have seen God face to face. And my life is preserved. Just... As he crossed over Penile, the sun rose on him and he limped on his hip because it had been poor, pulled out of joint. Therefore, this day, the children of Israel do not eat the muscle that shrank, which is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip in the muscle that shrank. I want to talk to you for a few moments about this story, and I want to preach specifically about the encounter that Jacob had that would forever change him, and I'm going to call this Moments That Mark Us. When I look back on my own life, there are those God encounter moments that marked me and changed me for the rest of my life. I had my plans, I had my thoughts, I had my dreams, and then I got in the wrong service like you're in. And God encountered me, arrested me, found me, spoke to me, 
gave me direction. It's hard to describe what happens in these moments. It's, it's, it's when he marks you. He marked Jacob by pulling his leg out of joint. He, he, he laid his hand on him. He touched him, the scripture said. And in that moment, when you have an encounter like Jacob had, and, they, and you can have those encounters in this day and in this time, he's that real. Maybe not the physical thing of pulling your leg. I'm glad. But, but there are those moments that if you respond properly, everything changes. Everything changes. I've had those moments when he when he broke the chains and I was freed. It changes the lenses through which you see your past. You can forgive people because you don't see them as the enemy. You see that even what I went through, God is using for his glory. It changes your present. It, you, the lenses you see the present through change. The lenses you see the future through. Everything changes when you have an encounter like Jacob had. It's a moment that marks you. You, you, you. I can take you to places and I can say right here in this place is where I encountered God in a significant way in my life and it changed my direction. Like Jacob, it changed the walk. The next step that I took was changed by that encounter that I had in that room or in that service in that moment. It happened to me. I'm not telling you something I heard about. It happened to me. It's happened to me over and over. It's not a normal moment. It's not an uh, ordinary moment. It's moments when God in his presence just really does a work in your life. You forever carry that moment with you. The meetings with God alter your destiny even and the destiny of your family. That's how crucial, how important they are. The thing about Jacob is he was a deceiver. The thing about Jacob is he did not have it together he was a liar. He was a thief. He was a, cheer, he was a, a stealer. He was a conniver. He, his name meant surplanter. He was not a good guy. You know, I love the fact that the Bible tells us that these were just real people. And Jacob was a messed up, ambitious, um, and that's not why he was messed up, but, but something in him was just off all the time. And then he comes to this moment. And the first thing that he does that creates these moments, I'm going to give you three things real fast today of how you create a moment that marks you for the rest of your life. These things attract God to that place that forever alters your life. The first thing he did is the Bible said he said to, to, to his wife and to his servants and to his sons, he had 12 of them and and, and, or 11 at that time, and, and he had two wives, and he had two, and I don't have time to explain all that, just read the Bible. And, 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 but he had two wives, and he had two, two servants, and he had 11 sons. And he, 15 in total, took them across the river and said, I love you, but I, I can't be with you right now because his brother Esau was coming to kill him. And he was bringing 600 assassins. And he said, you go, I'm sent. And he took them away. Now, what that says to me, that is that if any of those 15 relationships could have changed him, they would have changed him. They could not fix him. 
Sometimes we always want people if they do this and they do that, but sometimes the change is not where you think it needs to be. It's not up to the other people. It's up to you. And so what he does is, is he sends them across the river because he was saying not one out of those 15 relationships can satisfy the longing in my soul. Not one out of those 15 relationships can meet and change me like I need a change inwardly. There's something in me that's just messed up. I don't know, I don't know what to do to change myself. What you need sometimes cannot be found in a crowd. What you need sometimes cannot, if other people would do right, then you would be all right. Really, that's not true. Sometimes the only thing that can fix you is a relationship and encounter with God. What you need is not online. <laughs> and when you, when you reach that point in Genesis 32 and verse 24, here it is, the most powerful phrase, and Jacob was left alone, and he wrestled with the angel that we know was Jesus. And when he got through with it, I love what he said. He said, I have seen God face to face. He said this, counter could, this encounter could not happen in a crowd. And even though you're in a crowd, here's what I want you to understand. I've had services that were just, uh, that I was in, that shaped my life forever. And they were big crowds, but God has a way of making it just you and Him, even when you're in a big crowd. And in that moment, He said, let me tell you, how to define your life in a different way. It's when you get by yourself. It happens when you send others across the river. It happens when you desire communion with God more than community with people. A fresh encounter. You get low, you get broken. You get honest. You look inside and you say, I need to change, but I can't change me. And suddenly God is drawn to honesty. God is drawn to sincerity. God is drawn to weakness. God is not drawn to proud, arrogant strength. He's, he's drawn to people who get low, who get broken in spirit, who say, I cannot fix myself. And there's no human being that can fix me. Only God can do it. And the Bible said he wrestled, listen to the word, with the man until the breaking of the day. The power of an until. Until is a powerful word. Until means that you take the time limits off. And he said, I won't let go until you bless me. Pray until the angel shows up. Pray until the atmosphere changes. Pray until you feel I am having an encounter with God. And in that moment, a miracle begins to happen. Some of you are so caught up in the day that you don't have any time for the until. And the Bible said when he saw that he prevailed not, that God or the angel touched Jacob. Everybody say touch. He touched, he got a touch. The hollow of Jacob's thigh. 
And you would think as the sun is coming up, now think with me just a moment. This is the part of the story I missed that I, that I saw fresh this week. He wrestles all night and he doesn't get what he wants. And Jesus is, of course, letting him wrestle. <laughs> the angel is letting him. He could, he could have beat him anytime he wanted. But what he's working on is I'm changing you on the inside. And I want to see if you really want it. And when he saw that he couldn't prevail, that he was not going to let him go, here's the test. The angel touches his hip, pulls it out of socket. Do you know how painful that is? Have you ever had an arm? I've had an arm dislocated. I've had, uh, that is painful. Do you know how painful it would have been? And anybody in the right mind, the sun is coming up. I tried all night. Nothing happened. I'm not blessed. I don't have the blessing. I've been marked and I'll never be the same, but there's nothing on the other side of going through this hurt and pain. And this is the problem. Anytime God allows you to be marked, anytime God allows you to go through pain and tragedy, anytime God allows someone to die in your family or some tragedy or some heartbreak to happen and you get marked, it's a moment that marks you for the rest of your life. It becomes, whether it's an abuse, whether it's somebody who lied on you and did something to you that hurt you so bad and you're marked, what happens to people is that's when they quit. The remarkable part of this story is, Lord, help me to say it like I need to say it. When it made sense to stop, Jacob didn't stop. When it made sense to quit and to give up, Jacob said in a defiant voice, I will not stop. I will not give up. I will not let go until you turn this mark into a blessing. Because anytime God gives you a mark, a pain, a tragedy, a trial, something that marks you for the rest of your life, if you won't let go of God, he will take it and turn it into a blessing. The this is, this is what we've got. You've got to get an, in, an until in your spirit. That, yeah, I've been hurt in this marriage, but I'm not going to let go until I see a blessed home and a blessed marriage and a blessed family. Yeah, I've been through some things, but I serve the God who what they meant for my evil. God, if I hold on to him, will turn it for the good. And the Bible said, he said, I will not let you go until you bless me. He's marked. And this is where people, they, they lose their faith. They, something happens and they're marked and they've changed for the rest of their life. They walk with a limp emotionally the rest of their life. And they, they don't understand. Go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Anytime God marks you, Adam, I'm going to mark you. I'm going to put you to sleep. I'm going to open your side up. I'm going to reach inside of you. There's stuff in you. I'm going to pull it out of you. But, it, but on, out of the marking came woman. <laughs> Took a rib out, formed the woman, and formed the family, and blessed the family. If God marks you, it's a Bible principle. If he marks you, it is because out of that very painful tears, sorrow, brokenness, out of that bloody mark 
would come the greatest blessing of, that Adam could ever imagine. God was going to multiply him and bless him beyond anything he could imagine. When Jesus wanted a church, it required a mark in his side and nail prints in his hands. But don't give up. Don't quit after the crucifixion because if God marks you, if you hold on, God is going to bless you. Take a praise break and I'll keep on preaching just a minute. Jacob said, I will not let go. I know it makes sense. It makes sense to quit when you've been marked and you've had a day that, and I mean, we've had people who, who've had car wrecks and they buried their son and we've had everything you can imagine in the 30 plus years that I've been here. Every kind of tragedy you can imagine. And in that moment, I watched these people and there have been some who lose their faith and lose their way but God doesn't lose them and he'll keep, he still has his hand on them. And I, but, but, but there's others that, that, that when they all, when it makes sense to quit and to give up and to be just disillusioned by faith in God, instead they grab hold of him and they hold on. And today, years later, those people would say, it marked me, but it blessed me. And I can't describe to you, I wouldn't be who I am and where I am if that marking had not been turned into a blessing. Woo, I feel like shouting just a minute because has anybody been marked lately? Has anybody been through something that marked you and changed everything in your life? And the enemy wants you to cry over it the rest of your life. He wants you to be depressed over it the rest of your life. He wants you to be offended over it the rest of your life. But if you get in a wrestling match and you say, get all that out of me and turn me into who you want me to be. Help me to bless my enemies and love those that have despitefully used me. Teach me how to love like you love me. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but I'm preaching to somebody. I got your number today. More importantly, God does. And, and you know, the, the world loves overtime. The world loves extra innings. The love work. You go to the club, they, they don't even get going to midnight. But we want God to just do everything. And sometimes God says, I just want to see if you've got an until in your spirit. And in that moment, the angel said to Jacob, what is your name? And he said, I'm Jacob. He said, I'm changing your name from Jacob, which means worm, to Israel, which means prince. And this one encounter... You go from a worm to a prince. And then I'm, some translations say it like this. I'm give, you have prevailed and I'm giving you favor and power with God and man. Whew. Favor with God. Favor with man. It's called the blessing. And the text said he blessed him there. With what? With favor with God and with man. 
What does that mean? That means that anything you do that's in the will of God, when you come out of that encounter, God will give you his favor. And he'll cause people who don't even like you to bless you, to open doors for you. I've actually had them tell me, I don't even like you, but God told me. Hallelujah. There is a blessing that hell can't curse. There is a blessing that can come on your family and on your children and on your business and on your dreams. And when you win the battle in that spiritual place, God says, you don't just have favor up here in heaven someday. You're going to have it down there on earth with men. And if the enemy comes one way, he flees seven. Wow. Those moments, listen carefully. When he got changed in his name, think of that. He was just Jacob and he was about to die. His brother was coming to kill him. And in one encounter, he says, no longer will you be called Jacob, you will be called Israel. You're, in other words, your children, your, your, your tw eventually 12 sons will become the children of, not Jacob, Israel. And out of those children will come tribes, and out of those tribes will come one of them called Judah, and out of Judah will come Messiah. Boy, I'm blessing you. I'm taking a deceiver, and I'm turning him into a receiver. And you're not going to be fake anymore. You're going to be real, and you're not going to be ashamed of me. And I'm going to make you as the sands of the seashore and the stars of heaven and Jacob, you were a loser when I found you, but because you have made up your mind that you would not die just in the marking, but you would hold on to the blessing, I'm going to bless you in ways in the world that you cannot even imagine. That moment redefined his identity, and that's what happens. I, I, I love... Uh, all the organizations that try to help people get unaddicted and set free and, and anything and everything, I'm all for it as long as it's helping people deal with it. But the one thing that I don't agree with is that once an alcoholic, you always have to identify as an alcoholic. Once as a drug addict, you always, I'm telling you, there's an encounter with God that can change your name and change your identity and change your nature and change your walk and change your talk. Oh, I wish we'd get back to that. Real salvation will change your walk. It'll change your talk. I don't want what I used to want. I don't talk like I used to talk. And if you got a filthy potty mouth, you need to get saved. If you can go around cursing and chewing people out and treating people, at some point he comes and he says, I need to work on who you are. I want you to walk away with a new identity. He went from a deceiver to a receiver. And he said this powerful phrase, my life is preserved. He has preserved my future. I tell you, there is a place this morning and an encounter waiting on you where fear does not dominate you anymore. I know that's happened to me. There's been times when I just had to get along with God. My fear was so overwhelming. 
of what might happen, this might happen, even through the years, pastoring this church, and just the challenges all the time, it never stops. And in those moments, sometimes I'll just say to the family, to Sharice, to everybody, I've got to be alone. And when I go in, I'm defeated. But when I come out of those encounters, I have a courage that I cannot explain. I have a faith that does not alter with the blowing of the wind in whatever direction the wind blows. But something in me says, if God be for me, who can be against me? And I have favor with God and favor with man, and he will bring it to pass. Take a praise break. Take a praise break. I don't know who's fighting a battle, but don't you let go during the marking. If you'll hold on, there's a blessing coming down your dusty road. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. And notice this. The Bible said, and when the sun rose, after he pulled his hip out of socket, he halted upon his thigh. In other words, it altered his walk. In other words, the next step that he took was different from the way he walked into that situation. What I'm trying to say to you is the step that he took after coming to that moment was not the same step he was going to take. Now, oof, this is so important. When you really encounter God the way that I'm preaching this morning, not a religious something, another Bible, blah, blah, blah. I'm talking about a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. It will alter. In other words, it altered the, the steps. The step that he took after he pulled his hip out of joint was not the same step he would have taken before. And that's a type. That's a... That's a that's a, a, an analogy of what a true encounter with Jesus Christ, not religion, not Baptist, Methodist, Pentecostal, not any of that, not church, not churchy stuff, an encounter with Jesus. You know, the one who carried your sins to the cross, the one who in agony and moaned and groaned and he had you on his mind when they hung him high and they stretched him wide. And it changed his next step. Your next step will either be the right direction or the wrong direction. And it all depends on whether or not you have an encounter with God. It changes your identity. It affects your journey. It changes your direction. And lastly, because of this touch, when the angel touched him, in that encounter and marked him. The Bible said in verse 32, you'll read right over. It's the last verse of the, of the text. And, and it says in verse 32, therefore the children of Israel, this is so weird, did not eat the muscle that shrank, which is on the hip socket because he, Jesus, the angel, touched the socket of Jacob's hip in that, in the, and the muscle that shrank. What is that about? When you have one of these encounters that I'm talking about this morning, there is a touch, and that touch so defines you. 
that they used to eat that part of the sheep. They used to eat that muscle that was over the hip. They used to, but they don't do it anymore. What happened? When they got a fresh touch, they got a fresh conviction. And if you don't ever get fresh touches, you don't get any fresh convictions. But they said because he got touched, it's affecting us. And we, will ne we used to eat it all the time, but that part of that animal, we will never eat again. And it wasn't legalism. It was just the fact that they had had an encounter with God and he had touched some part of their life, of his life, the hollow place. Guess what I'm trying to preach is when you walk out of church every once in a while, you ought to walk out with a new conviction. I don't think that's necessary and I, I don't know that. I don't, I don't like that and I don't let go. I'm going to just let go of that conviction. And I, I tell you, times have changed and we just need to be like everybody else. And I can hold on to this and hold on to that and do it, live any old way I want to live. And I'm okay. And me and Jesus is just all right with me. Jesus. Is. So I'm going to tell you something. We're throwing away our convictions we're seeing a nation who's lost its moral values completely. We're, 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 we're losing the desire for the house of God. Thank God it's not around here. But, but, but I'm just saying the, the things that made us great, great families. When we got saved, we threw stuff out of our lives, not because somebody made us, but we just felt convicted of it. I'm done with that. I, I'm done with that lifestyle. I'm done with that. I, I don't want that lifestyle. And so what happens is if you don't have a fresh touch every now and then, you don't get a conviction like that that says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I can't partake of that no longer. When we lack convictions, it's because we lack those moments that mark us. Before you make a decision to just throw some conviction away and pick up stuff that you once felt convicted of again. Use not to get drunk. Use not to get high. Use not to run with the clubs and sleep around. Use not to do it when you got saved. Before you start going back to that stuff, I want you to have a revival. And I want you to come out of a service where the Holy Spirit has moved. And then after, after you've had an encounter there ought to be, before you let go of something that's been in your family for a long time, faith that's been in your family, young people, for a long time, convictions and standards and values that have been in your family for a long time. There ought to be some tears before you just let it go. There ought to be some fasting. Do it after you fasted 21 days. <laughs> Do, do, it, do it after you've been in a red-hot service and the power of God and you kept wiping the tears away and you, you were embarrassed because the presence of God was so... Then go out and light you up a cigarette. Oh, I just... I, where did that come from? But I'll tell you one thing. I do feel today that there's about 500 people that can be delivered from vapes. And all it takes is a marking...
all it takes. I appreciate counseling. I appreciate tampering off on it. I appreciate, but every now and then you need to have an encounter because what happens is when he touches you, suddenly there's a fresh conviction and I used to, but I don't do it anymore. And I feel myself sometimes, the, the, the very current of this world is to pull us away, pull us away, pull us away. And every now and then when I feel myself and it's happening and I'm letting my standards down and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not on it and I'll just have to get along with God. And I'll come out of that place I wrote this down the other day, and I think it's the word of the Lord. If you've been questioning everything, you know, that's the spirit of, this, of a new generation. I question that, and I question that, and I question that. When you have a God encounter, it makes you sure again. I'm sure. I'm sure about the house of God. I'm sure about being in the house of God. I'm sure about tithing. You can argue all you want. I don't care. I have my own convictions. I don't set my convictions according to what other people think. I get in the Word and I get along with Jesus and I make sure that what I'm saying is confirmed out of the mouth. That I don't get into weird doctrine either. Me and Jesus. No, not you and Jesus. There's a lot of things that, but, but when it's all said and done, if there's stuff in me and there is, if I'll wrestle, God can say, you used to, but you're not going to do it anymore. And it's not a burdensome legalistic thing. It's a joyful thing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I was thinking about this and I, I'm going to close with this story. But I was in California last weekend and preached at our church in Orange County. Thousands of people there. It was just amazing. We, they could not hardly get in the doors. I'm not exaggerating. And we had them in overflow, two overflows. Altars were filled, multiple services. God is moving powerfully. And I couldn't help but think as I stood in that building that Pastor Floyd Lahan gave us. He was a dear friend of my dad's. He's still alive. He may be watching this program. And uh, he gave us that amazing building. Recently, we were, we were offered, just to let you know what kind of God we serve. When I, when I sing songs, anything is possible. Man gave us the building. You know, somebody offered us $37 million for that building. And we said, no, thank you. It's not for sale. This will be here till Jesus comes. Right in the middle, condos, office buildings, skyscrapers all around it, and the church is right in the middle of it. Big old cross out front. I'll shout just a minute. That's a miracle. Anything is possible. But let me tell you the story behind the story, and I'll, I'll be done in five minutes. But if you leave, I, ho I hope your socket comes out of you. Yeah. <laughs> I do wake up and something's messed up, but that's just me. That's not the Lord. He's more merciful, but me don't fall down the steps. If you leave now, how many of you know that's a threat? Amen. But listen, listen, Lord, help me. 
See, you can't put God in a box, people. When you have an encounter like I'm talking about, it goes so far beyond churchy stuff. And Floyd Lahan was an evangelist preaching for my dad in North Carolina in his church in Henderson. And I was like a 11, 12-year-old kid, something like that. I can't remember how old I was. But I, I was sitting in the back of the revival service and after he would preach, he was a very unusual man. He's about six foot three, six foot four. And there was a touch of God on his life. He stayed in our home because back in those days, I was raised in a preacher's home. You didn't put them up in a nice hotel. We didn't have the money. They stayed in our home. And I'd watch that man for over a week, living in my home, eating every meal with him. He's very, very, very peculiar and different. He'd come out of that room after being locked up in that room. He wouldn't watch television or anything. And he would eat with us. And he's a wonderful person, very godly. And I don't know, just as a little boy, I was just watching him. What a weirdo. What a strange guy. You know how kids, kids think, but it was, it was marking me. I thought about it when I was standing in that building that he gave up his retirement $250,000 retirement to put the down payment on that building. And when he was moving across the country and retiring and had established a church of about 250 people or more, and he was leaving and he didn't have a pastor. And the Lord told him that I was supposed to take the church. I didn't ask for it. I didn't want it. Listen to this. The Lord took me back last Sunday as I stood in that pulpit. And sometimes when I preach, I'm preaching one thing and the Holy Ghost is talking over here in this ear. He says, think about this. While I'm preaching, you don't know what's going on up here. Amen. He might tell me who you are and where you live and what you've been up to. Anything is possible. You should have went to another church. Anything can happen right here. Listen to this. And I was sitting back there with my little friends. I've told this story, but I'm going to tell it again. And I don't feel embarrassed. And it's seven minutes past the time I'm supposed to preach. So if you, need, if you need medication, take it. Amen. Let me finish. I'm talking about moments that mark you. And right in the middle of his sermon, many times he would stop and he was just led of the Holy Spirit. All these things marked me. They marked me. And I would watch him in the middle of his sermon, just walk down among the people in that little country church. And he'd walk over and he'd lay his Bible, just gently touch them, not push, not hit, just touch. He'd have them stand, different ones, and God would speak to him, and he would just lay his Bible on them, and they would collapse under the power of the Holy Spirit. And I was sitting in the back of that building laughing because back then they had hardwood floors, and they didn't have people who caught people who fell in the Spirit. So they would fall and hit their heads hard. Sometimes that's cause we believe they were in the flesh. That's how they believed in the old church. 
So I'm sitting back there and I'm kind of laughing with my buddies. Look at that. Look at that. Wow. Look at that. I've never, but it was, it was mystical and it was phenomenal. It marked me as a child. I'd never seen the power of God demonstrated like that. Maybe that's what this generation needs. Maybe they need more than just forms of godliness. Maybe we need a revival to break out that is so undeniable. I don't want us to get in a box. Yeah, we got big crowds and all that, but that ain't, that's not why we're here. If you don't have an encounter today, I have failed. And all of a sudden, he got all the way up. And there people were laying everywhere, business people, people that I thought would never, ever, big grown men, countrymen, you know, men that work hard with their hands. He'd touch them. They don't play games. They don't play that. They're gonna play, you know, religious fakery with you. And when that man would touch them with that Bible, oh, boom. I'd see tears of men I'd never seen cry in my whole life. And all of a sudden, right in the middle of that, he turns and points that bony finger at me. I remember it like it was yesterday. And he said, Jensen, pastor's kid, son, Jensen, come here, did just like this, come here. He was marking me, <laughs> come here. And I got up and I had the attitude, I am not falling on no stupid floor. I walked up and I walked down that left side of that country church. He said, Jensen, and he started crying. He started weeping. And he, his face, I remember how his face would kind of uh, frowned. And he had the blue eyes, light blue eyes, and they looked like they could look through you. And in that moment, he looked down at me and he said, Jensen, he said, you don't know what God has for you. You have no idea the plans that God has for you. But one day the Lord would say unto you, you will need this power. And he said, I'm not just going to pray for you one time, but the Lord said like Naaman dipping in the Jordan River to dip you seven times in the river of his power. And he raised that Bible and I said, I'm not going down, but I'm feeling funny here. And he touched me and you, you listen to me. I'll face God for what I'm telling you. When he touched me with that Bible, I went at, as limp as a dish rag and I fell to the ground. And he said to one of the ushers, pick him up. And he did it again. And I went down a second time and he did it. He was marking me. He was marking me third time, fifth time, sixth time. By the sixth time, I didn't care about my teenage friends. I didn't care about who was watching. I didn't care about what. I was so astounded at the encounter that I was having with God that after the seventh time, I just laid there for the rest of the service. And I would get up and I would never be the same again. Does anybody long for, you know, not like that. I'm not talking about, you can't, and you can't redo that. You can't remake that. But God knows how to touch and mark you. 
Stand to your feet all over the room at every campus. Thank you, I'm sorry I went in overtime, but maybe it's necessary today. I want everybody under the sound of my voice who would say, Pastor Jensen, I want an encounter. I want a Jacob encounter. I want an encounter like that. I want it for me. I want it for my family. I know this is crazy because we don't have much room, but I just, I'm going to open the altar and I'm going to say, if you want an encounter like that, if something in you is yearning for it, but if you have an until in your spirit, and you would be willing to say, Pastor, I really want a change to happen. I want to encounter God in a, in, a, in a real personal way. I want to point back and say, I met with the Lord in that place. Something changed me that day. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. They're already coming. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. If, if you've got an addiction, He can touch you and give you a new conviction. He can take the addiction and give you a conviction that you can lay it down and never touch it again. I'm not talking about willpower. I'm talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's very real. It's very real. And if you're in this room this morning, I believe it is by God's divine appointment that you're here. You don't have to do anything. All you have to do is go from a deceiver to a receiver. Just receive the blessing of the cross. Receive the blessing of forgiveness. Receive the blessing of a changed life and a new name and a new nature and a new walk. New convictions. It's not grievous either. It's joyful. It's wonderful. Listen carefully. It's wonderful. It's wonderful to take up your cross daily and follow Jesus. It's the best life. I have talked with people, listen to me, listen. I have talked with people who have everything you can imagine, any and everything the world has to offer. And they trade it all to feel what we feel. The peace, the joy. And some of you have forgotten that. When your life becomes, you got to have this and that to make you happy, you're off. You need an encounter. So when you have a fresh encounter with Jesus, He's more than enough. He supplies your every need too. But if you're in this room and you would say, Pastor Jensen, I know that I'm a Jacob, but I want to be a prince or a princess of God. And that can only happen through the blood of Jesus Christ. Pray for me. I want to get right with God. I want today, I want Jesus to wash me and cleanse me. I want to know when I leave here, my next step is His step. Pray for me. If that's you, boldly lift your hand high. Boldly lift it high. If you know that's you, it's powerful. Powerful. To be, to be clear, you don't know that you're right with God, but you want to know when you leave here. Raise your hand high. It's amazing. If you see someone with their hand raised, just gently touch them on the shoulder. Just gently touch them on the shoulder. And everybody, those with hands raised, those who are standing, all the people in the room, every room, say these words. Say, Lord Jesus, 
I receive the blessing. I thank you that you marked me. Even this morning, you marked me. And I'm going to see the blessing. I receive the blessing by faith. I know that the cross has washed my sins away. I am a new creation. I am forgiven. And I receive total and complete freedom. And in your presence, my fears go away. My future is preserved. You're going to take good care of me. I am yours and you are mine. And I praise you for that. I'm free. I'm forgiven in Jesus' name. Give him a mighty praise. He wrote your name in the book of life. If you prayed that and meant that, he heard your pride. Amazing. God be the glory. We hope you've enjoyed this teaching by Jensen Franklin and thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Your prayers and financial support make these programs possible. For more information about this message and other ministry resources, visit us online at jensenfranklin.tv.